Welcome to another episode of the EU Roundup. I'm Theodore and this is the place where you get the rundown of last week's most important developments regarding the EU. In this week's episode, we'll talk about tensions in France following a deadly knife assault in a church in Nice. We'll also touch on the waves of protests in Poland following an unpopular regulation on abortion rights. As always, there will be a quick round of news from last week, but first, let's focus on something outside of Europe which will inevitably have an effect over here as well. The US is looking to elect its president and will look into what each a Trump or a Biden presidency would mean for Europe. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack Obama, because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. Uh, I would have I, never run. <laughs> I ran because of you. I'm looking at you now. You're a politician. Well, I tell you what, I, uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is you know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character, you know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am, the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. In this segment, we're going to talk about what impact the US elections will have on Europe. The bit you just heard was from the second presidential debate. And it is clear that the race for the presidency is truly on. The Republican versus Democrat face-off has been an international event since decades. And the final choice of the American citizens has had an effect on things such as the global economy, the state of democracy and the balance of political power. This time around, there is a widespread feeling that these elections are significantly more decisive than usually. A testament to that is how much people who are not even American care about the results of these elections. On one side, we have the prospect of four more years of a volatile Trump presidency. On the other, four years of Joe Biden and a possible restoration of the broken ties between the US and its allies. For most Europeans, the current occupant of the White House hasn't exactly covered himself in glory. On the contrary, since his entrance into office, Trump has created a divide between Europe and the US. Decisions such as pulling out of the Paris Agreement on climate or imposing protectionist tariffs on EU goods are just some of the examples which saw Trump's stock plummet in Europe. If you remember, there were crowds of people in major European capitals protesting the US president when he was coming round for a state visit. But even on a larger political level, Trump has pushed away even some of the big European administrations. He alienated allies in NATO after staking his claim that the organization was structured in a way which takes advantage of the US. Subsequent decisions to pull military troops from Germany were also poorly received. Not because the German state needs those 12,000 soldiers, but because of how this move is a symbol of the strained relationship between the US and Europe. This brings about the most notable point regarding the result of a second Trump mandate. There has always been friction between the US and Europe. However, there has also always been an understanding of mutual trust and a sense of partnership. These two have crumbled down in the last three and a half years. So this is in fact the most significant impact on the international political scene of four more years of President Donald Trump. A second term would almost certainly mean further alienating the US from Europe and its values. On the other hand, a Joe Biden presidency would seek to reinforce those ties. In many ways, during his campaign Biden has avoided to express polarizing opinions or taking a hard stance on anything. 
He portrays himself in a lot of ways as whatever President Trump is not. This is not a bad strategy from the standpoint of running a campaign. He stands to win the most sympathizers by simply being a counterpoint to Trump. Most of all, because Trump's approval ratings have been notoriously low. And of course, due to the perception that the US hasn't handled the COVID pandemic well. In terms of the coronavirus crisis, Biden has stated he would reinforce more measures to limit the spread of the virus. On the contrary to Trump, whose rhetoric has been centered on reopening cities and states and not giving in to the crisis, but maintaining the economy. If we just wore these masks, the president's own advisors have told him, we could save 100,000 lives. Folks, I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. You know, I've said it often. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. And that's what's happening. And he wants to close down. He'll close down the country if one person in our, in our massive bureaucracy says we should close it down. In another sense, we also know what Joe Biden would bring, having seen him in the role of vice president during the Obama administration. There are definitely expectations that he would stabilize international relations with Europe and other traditional US allies. One thing is for sure, the rest of the world will have its eyes on the result of the US elections. The final winner might not be announced as early as we hope, as in-mail voting can take longer to count in some states. And there is the very real possibility of legal challenges to the final result. For now though, we'll hold our breath and wait and see. Recently, Poland has been in the center of attention for those who care about women's rights and people's rights in general. Two weeks ago, the Law and Justice Party in charge of the country introduced new rules on abortion. In doing so, they limited even more the possibilities of Polish women seeking to terminate their pregnancy. Women's rights in Poland took a big hit and the ruling angered a major part of the population. Thousands took to the streets in major cities in the country to express their anger. It is even more telling that they've decided to protest during a pandemic and during a time when infection rates are rising. The dissatisfaction that people have with the direction which the country has taken in recent times is somehow more noticeable now than ever. The size and the significance of the protests have pushed the government to react. President Andrzej Duda proposed a new abortion law to be introduced. That ruling would allow for the procedure to take place in cases where parental diagnosis show a high probability of the fetus being stillborn. This was not seen as enough by the protesters. In fact, the recent developments in Poland have put forward the people's issues with the government in general. The constitutional tribunal which introduced the unpopular ruling is seen as being under the political control of the ruling party. That is why this has further polarized an already divided society. The organizers of the protests have put out a list of demands. They include topics such as women's rights and go so far as to demand the resignation of the government. The Law and Justice Party won last year's parliamentary elections and are generally set to be in power for the next five years. The president is also affiliated to the party. Therefore, it is unlikely they will do anything to release their grip on power. The organizers of the protests plan more demonstrations next week. Si nous sommes attaqués, une fois encore, c'est pour les valeurs qui sont les nôtres, pour notre goût de la liberté, pour cette possibilité sur notre sol de croire librement et de ne céder à aucun esprit de terreur. Et je le dis avec beaucoup de clarté une fois encore aujourd'hui, nous n'y céderons rien. That was French President Emmanuel Macron addressing the nation after a deadly knife assault 
took place in a church in Nice. According to him, that was an act of Islamist terrorism. Orders followed from the president to increase the numbers of soldiers protecting places of worship. Macron mentioned in his statement that France was clearly being targeted. He also invoked an incident which occurred on the same day in the French embassy in Saudi Arabia. There, an assailant reportedly attacked a security guard outside of the French consulate in Jeddah. As for the attack in Nice, little is known about the perpetrator. Conservative MP Eric Ciotti said the man was a Tunisian who recently arrived through Italy. The politician also represents the Nice area in the parliament. He called for the suspension of all asylum requests for those coming from what he called risky countries. Last Thursday's attacks come two weeks after the incident involving middle school teacher Samuel Paty. He was killed near Paris by a man of Chechen origins days after he used cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in a class discussion about freedom of speech. Tensions are certainly high right now in France, and the reaction of President Macron sparked a comeback from leaders of several Muslim-majority countries. Turkish President Recep Erdogan and Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov were among those who accused Macron of Islamophobia. Macron attracted criticism earlier after giving a speech at the beginning of October. He spoke on fighting Islamist extremism in France. He later defended the freedom to publish or display cartoons that others considered to be offensive following the death of Samuel Paty. France has a painful recent history of attacks carried out by radical Islamists. Nice in particular was the scene of an attack linked to the Islamic State back in 2016. Events such as those that took place in Nice last week can be somewhat of a trigger for public outrage. Others prefer to mourn in such times. A number of big churches in Paris and across France honored the fallen victims by ringing their bells all together at 3 p.m. And now here's a quick round of news from last week. The European Institute for Gender Equality released its 2020 Gender Equality Index. The tool monitors the progress made across the EU and in each member state. Sweden and Finland are among those with the highest scores. A conference was held to put the statistics into context. Some of the major topics were the lack of representation of women in the AI and ICT sector. Among the discussions were also the algorithms used by hiring departments of big companies being skewed towards men, as well as informal care falling on women's shoulders, especially in the context of the pandemic. Meanwhile, Brexit negotiations are still ongoing. According to some UK officials, the deal looks possible, although there is still work to be done. Talks between London and Brussels have intensified recently. Some of the main topics that are left are still fisheries and the level playing field. A final deal is expected to be reached mid-November. These talks are aimed at the future political and trade relationship between the EU and the UK. Therefore, both sides are looking to get the best possible deal, but also to have these negotiations finally behind their back. That was all for today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with another episode, as always, on Tuesday at 9.30.